This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Academy show here on the Blood Red channel. I'm Guy Clark. Alongside me, Matt Addison, as we get set to, of course, talk all things out of the Academy. Of course, last season was disrupted, the end of it. We'll get into that, tie up some loose ends there. We've also got the Kirby Training Ground Complex to talk about as well. Changes in the management structure in the under-23s in particular as well as well as new signings. Who doesn't want to talk about new signings? As I say, Matt's alongside me. Matt, how are we? Yeah, very good, thank you. Looking forward to a, a new season and, and very much looking forward to some academy football as well. Obviously, it's been such a long time since we've been down to, to Kirby and been able to, to do anything like that. So, yeah, it's uh, an exciting time for, for all the football. Obviously, we think about the Premier League and, and senior football first and foremost, but even more of a, a long wait really for the academy side. So it, it should be good to get into that today. I'm going to say, it feels like an eternity since we last spoke about the Academy. And quite frankly, it has been. It's been, I think, six months all told probably since we last did an Academy show here on Blood Red. Of course, the season was curtailed and stopped in March as the senior football was. And given the Academy football structure and everything that that goes with it as well, as I said right at the top, it, it was curtailed early. And as I say, I suppose it's even even now, it's still a bit unsure with exactly what's going on. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, we, we don't know exactly when the season's going to begin or in terms of the, the fixtures and that sort of thing. We don't quite know how it's going to work. I'm sure there's still little things ongoing. Obviously, it's it's difficult to have coronavirus testing and you don't want people travelling too far. You think of the UEFA uh, Youth League, which we're going to touch on a little bit later as well. It's certain things like that, I think, have, have still got to be ironed out. So at this moment in time, we're not too sure on the exact details, obviously, Last season ended with a few matches left, so it's it's sort of it's almost not closed that last chapter before you you started the next one really. But I suppose there's there's not a great deal you can do about that. Obviously, we know the under 18s had I think four matches left of their league season. The 23s had two left. So look, it, it wasn't the ideal end to what had been a decent season, particularly for for the under 18s. But I suppose well, I suppose particularly for for the 23s as well. Not necessarily in terms of results, but in terms of progressing up until the first team so it was a disappointing end and I suppose that just makes the appetite you know even bigger really to to get started and and get going again. Yeah I suppose that is the end of last season of course and then it's all about sort of even gearing up for this season and as you say that the uncertainty over the fixtures but obviously the squads do still need to prepare for the football and certainly I suppose the 23s because they may even still have a number of players who might end up with this elongated transfer windows still might end up going out on loan even be it into sort of the, the middle of October yeah exactly it's uh, an important uh, pre-season the academy players I think have been back about four and a half weeks now back in training and, and sort of keeping them or getting themselves fit again I suppose after all that time away but yeah the, the 23s have, have played uh, three games they've played TNS they've beaten Carlisle 4-1 uh, and they've beaten Derby County as well and the 18s beat Crew and Huddersfield 5-0 and, and also beat Leicester 4-1 as well so some decent results so far in, in pre-season um, but yeah as always with these things it's more about fitness than anything else I mean you know certainly for, for the 23s to, to beat Carlisle United that was their first beat them 4-1 and, and sort of show that they were at that standard even if it is only a friendly it's it's still you know an, an impressive result certainly so um 
yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they can take that form, obviously, into the first few games of the season. But I suppose without knowing exactly when those are going to be, that's uh, a little bit more difficult. Yeah, certainly is the case. Remember when we spoke in, I think it was February when we were doing the Academy show, we were looking forward and looking ahead to what was to come this summer in terms of, I suppose, bringing the club together from first team and academy level with, of course, the first team set to leave Melwood at the time and come over to Kirby. Of course, all of that's been put back a fair bit. Where are we now with the training ground? Yeah, I mean, people may well have seen the the video that's circulating on social media of what the new training ground looks like and and things like that. It's uh, obviously a very impressive setup. It's somewhere that has come on a lot since I was last at the academy, which I think, as you say, was about um, February time, possibly early March when we last had an academy show and and I was down at the academy just before that. So it's certainly come on and and developed a great deal since then. Um, But obviously the plan was for that to be finished in time for first team pre-season this season so that they could move across there and, and the sort of link that is going to take place would have been finished. Obviously, that's not the case. Uh, the first team are still training at Melwood. They're back, obviously, now. Um, and it's not a, a massive issue. It's not a problem. In an ideal world, you know, the, the, the big summer for the first team to link with the academy, and I suppose it would have been beneficial to get that done as soon as possible. But... In reality, it's better to get that right, get the the training ground finished properly, not rush uh, and sort of make mistakes or do anything with that. So, yeah, the first team can still use the Melwood training base for another 12 months. They're relaxed. They can move at any point into their new facility. It might be the case that, you know, it's finished in a month or two's time and they decide, actually, we can move now or, or they might want to move maybe next summer uh, just so it's not um, in the middle of a season. But Whichever way it will be, be it this summer, be it some point during the season or or next summer even, at some point we are going to see that move take place. And it's really exciting for for all of the academy players to be able to go in and and train on the same pitches, the same facility um, as the first team. As we've discussed plenty of times, obviously, it's just a, a little walk between the two setups and it's going to be hugely beneficial, especially, I think, for those players who are sort of on the edge of 23s going into the first team. To not have that distance between the two training grounds, I think, can, can only be a, a really good thing on a, a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I suppose one thing that's just sort of made me think there when you were talking about sort of the, the timeframes, and this is just pure speculation, but if Kirby is all finished off in terms of the, the new first team unit and first team area for their, say, by December, that busy period of time, when Jurgen Klopp's spoken obviously so much about recovery and how he wants his players right and correct and proper. Well, if that facility is up and running by a very busy time of the season for Liverpool, we might see maybe a few players just coming along for recovery sessions down there. We'll have to to wait and see how that one does all play out. But that's the training ground. And I suppose with the academy, there's been a fair bit of upheaval, probably, I suppose, the the long extended break from football has given the Reds actually chance to get all their ducks in a row with the academy because we've spoken about the way in last season finished we've spoke about the training ground and now we best talk about who's going to be coaching which age groups because there's been a fair bit of change around because obviously Neil Critchley just before lockdown had left to move to Blackpool yeah big move for, for Neil Critchley really uh, important and obviously we will see him again this afternoon as Liverpool's first team take on Blackpool so yeah, it's a really sort of interesting uh, proposition. Obviously, it means that Barry Lutus will step up from the under-18s into the under-23s. 
obviously replacing a manager in Neil Critchley that he knows really well. He's been at the academy, Barilutas, for a long time. He's, he's very highly rated and someone who I've spoken to plenty of times, probably more times than, than any other coach at the academy, to be honest. He's always been very good with his time and, and that sort of thing. So from a, a journalistic point of view, that's probably not a, a bad thing. Not that Neil Critchley was uh, any different, to be fair, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he steps up into that position. And it's not obviously just an under-23s role. That's a, a hugely influential role on its own. But when you think that Neil Critchley took over the first team a couple of times last season, it's you know an, an added little bit of, of incentive really for, for Barry Lutus. Not that he would have needed that, I'm sure. So it'll be interesting to see if anything similar happens next season. We know fixture congestion is going to be an issue again. So quite possibly that may well be, but be interesting to see how he gets on and, and not least because of the man who's going to be alongside him as well, Gary O'Neill, the former Premier League player for, for many clubs, Portsmouth included, where he actually worked under Michael Edwards. Michael Edwards was just coming through in, in the early 2000s as a kind of early sort of analyst or, or scout. Obviously, he's then moved into a, a job at, at Liverpool and apparently Gary O'Neill has, has come into the academy setup with uh, very much a, a sort of... A reward really for, for his coaching journey so far. He retired about 12 months ago um, and is a very highly rated coach. He's put in a lot of work. It does take a lot of effort to, to get yourself into the position that he's done. So it's a big opportunity, but certainly one that Michael Edwards and, and the rest of, of Liverpool's recruitment team in, in that sense were, were keen to get in. So again, it's a fascinating appointment and, and will be really interesting. And Finally, of course, Barry Luter stepping up from the 18s to the 23s means that somebody else would have to take over his under 18s setup. And, and just when Barry Luter's moved up from the 16s to the 18s, that's exactly what Mark Bridge Wilkinson has done. So he's been at the academy for five years. He was at Huddersfield before he came to Liverpool, arrived as under 14s manager, worked his way up, replaced Barry Luter's first as, as under 16s manager, now the under 18s. So Again, both of them very highly rated and have both been promoted. So he is one that I don't know a great deal about. I've never never spoken to him, never had a conversation with him. But fingers crossed, once the academy season begins again, we can start going back, start having little interviews and, and stuff like that again. And hopefully I will get the, the opportunity to meet him sooner rather than later. Yeah, and it, it's encouraging, isn't it? And I suppose it works really well for academy football that you have the managers in effect following the teams up through the age group. So, for example, someone like Barry Lutus, who's worked with now a number of players who'll be in the 23s, will really sort of have already had a, a key role in their development and hopefully have those strong bonds as well to be able to help those players kick on even further. I have to say I'm also very excited about the, uh, the appointment of Gary O'Neill, a uh, young former uh, obviously Premier League midfield players and a few of them move into to management in recent years Stephen Gerrard no less so uh, yeah we, we, we will uh, with great anticipation see how his coaching journey certainly begins with Liverpool let's then talk about new faces in another respect and that Matt is signings the first team might have been quite quiet but uh, at the academy there's uh, plenty of new faces arriving yeah, plenty of, of activity, obviously. Um, the first one, the, the, probably the biggest name, to be honest, I think the one that has seemingly caused most of, of the excitement, Malcamu Frauendorf um, from Germany, uh, born in Ethiopia, but he is a German under-16 international. Born in 2004, which makes me feel incredibly old, and I am only 22. Um, I was going to say, makes you are. feel old, yeah, no. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it, when you see those dates of birth, it, it does give you a shock sometimes. But yeah, no, an, an attacking midfielder, seven goals and, and five assists uh, for the under-17s. Uh, played one match actually as a right-back last season, so interesting there. But Liverpool have, have brought him into their setup this summer. Um, and yeah, he scored on his debut against Huddersfield in one of those friendlies. So yeah, certainly set up uh, a bit of a, an interesting uh, first season, I would say, for him. I'm, I'm sure he'll be with the under-18s and, and hopefully he can then uh, you know, make a, a decent go of it. And uh, I suppose the, the other big name as well, um, again, very difficult to pronounce, Matthias Musielowski uh, from Poland will go into the under-18s, uh, just the same as Frauendorf, really. Um, just at, at that age, ready to, to go in there with the view to progressing into the future. But yeah, that uh, deal, I believe, has been in the pipeline for a good few months. Now officially done. Um, and apparently last season scored 120 goals in a single season. So from a, a right wing position, not a, a bad record to go with. So those two, I would say, are probably the two um, biggest signings, the ones that have caused most excitement. Uh, but yeah, the, there is a, a few others as well. Plenty of goalkeepers to go through. Yeah, we'll get into them. You, you mentioned uh, the goals there from the right-hand side, 120 in a single season. I think when Mohamed Salah scored 40-odd a, a few years back, we were all excited at first-team level. So who knows, hey? We uh, might have to, to watch out, albeit Harvey Elliott doing a fantastic job himself in the academy in that position. As you say then, a few goalkeepers and Liverpool already quite well stocked for goalkeepers in the academy and they've certainly been adding to the ranks even further. Yeah, it was uh, an important position really to, to strengthen Danny Atherton, uh, Shamal George and, and Kai McKenzie-Lyle all released this summer. Um, so Liverpool basically needed to, to get some more names through the door, even if it's just to sort of fill a, a few squad roles and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, Fabian Morozek, also Polish, uh, signed a few months back. He's another 16-year-old basically there to, to replace one of those three goalkeepers that have been moved on. Again, would imagine that he will be um, with Musielowski in the, the under-18. So he's certainly one to, to look out for. And then a couple of others, uh, Marcelo Pitaluga, a 17-year-old Fluminese goalkeeper, doesn't actually play for Liverpool yet, but the Echo believes that uh, Liverpool have submitted an offer for him. So, yeah, the, the belief is that he holds a German passport, so there's not going to be any work, is, um, work permit issues, as we've seen with the likes of Anderson Arroyo and, and players like that, the Colombian fullback. So, yeah, Arroyo still actually at the club, incidentally, um, but is struggling to get a game because of that um, work permit issue. But, yeah, Pitaluga, apparently not the case. Um, and then a final one, third and final one, obviously, 19-year-old Javi Sendon, I believe is how you pronounce that. People will have heard of him, of course, obviously. Training with uh, the first team during their uh, Austrian tour and impressing, really, I think, uh, not just in the way that he's performed, but he's in sort of attitude, his intelligence, that sort of thing, everything, the whole package he seemingly has. So be interesting to, to see if they keep him around. Um, again, 19 years of age. So if they do, you'd imagine he will go into the under-23s. So obviously plenty of, of highly rated, um, well-regarded goalkeepers at Liverpool already. I suppose you've got to have two of those at, at the very least per age group. And if one or two of them leave, as has happened this summer, you do have to replace them. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
I said before, there's a fair few goalkeepers at Liverpool and in the academy, and even at the, it's sort of as you say, you, you need to have two for each age group. But there is a, a fair few, and they are well stocked. Just wanted to ask you about a couple of them. You say Javi Senden there, of course, he was with the first team in Austria, and just thinking the makeup of Jurgen Klopp's first team squad with the goalkeepers. Obviously, Loris Karius is part of that right now. Adrian and of course Alison Becker. Andy Lonergan left at the end of last season, but with Javi Senden certainly going on that Austrian pre-season tour, do, are we maybe hinting at a loan move for Quiven Kelleher? Do you think this season, how much would that aid his development? And of course, someone like Camille Grabara, what's what's the latest with him? Is he going to be heading back out as well? Yeah, I mean, it's always difficult with young goalkeepers, isn't it? I mean, certainly to, to start with Kelleher, I mean, it's one of those where I think it, it's almost a decision that you've got to take. Is it better for him to keep training with the best goalkeeper in the world? And obviously, Alison Becker to train with Adrian as well. To keep training with those players, I think, is very beneficial. You're coming up against, obviously, Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane in training, things like that. That's hugely, hugely important. So I think it's a, a decision that's got to be made. At some point, a goalkeeper has got to go out and experience proper football, if you like. But... I suppose it is still beneficial for him to stick around. So I would imagine Kelleher will stay around probably until maybe the end of October. Obviously, players can move out on loan, um, I think, three weeks after that October the 5th transfer deadline. So I think Liverpool will take a look at, at what has happened. Um, I think they will be slightly reluctant, given how much of the season Alison Becker missed last season. If you're then having Adrian as your number one for a sustained period of time again, then Kelleher will be required to be on the bench. But if that's not going to be the case, and I suppose you, you never really know, do you? It's, it's sort of a gamble that you've got to take. But if that is not going to be the case and he's not going to get any opportunities, even to just be in the squad on a match day, I suppose the only real beneficial thing would be to go out and, and maybe go into the championship. So it's a decision for the club to take. Uh, we don't know at this stage what that decision will be. Um, but I suspect the player will have as much influence as anybody else on that. If he really pushes and says, you know, I've had enough of, of being here and not getting a game. I want to go out for the championship. I'm sure, you know, Liverpool would find some sort of agreement. And I'm also sure that, you know, there'd be a, a fair few championship clubs who would be interested in him. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, in terms of Camille Grabara, I'm pretty sure that uh, obviously being out on, on loan at Huddersfield last season, I would imagine that he will go out again uh, at some point because there's just too many people, I think, in the, the pecking order ahead of him. Obviously, Loris Carrier is still at Liverpool. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have uh, a long-term future. But if Liverpool can't find a buyer, maybe he's the third choice and both of those young goalkeepers would then get the opportunity to, to go out on loan. So, if, like all of these things, the transfer window is, is fluid. We don't know quite where players are going to be at, at at the end of all this. In a few weeks' time, I think it will become clearer. But certainly, Grabara, I can see going on loan, possibly even on a permanent deal. And Quivin Kelleher, it, it wouldn't massively surprise me either. But I think we might be a couple of months away for that. Yeah, nice way for us to then segue into to the next part of the show. And that being what has happened to a few of the faces that were around the academy last season that are no longer there. A few players have already headed out on loan, as we were suggesting there might happen with a couple of the young goalkeepers and also some heading out permanently. So, uh, yeah, we'll have a, a quick roundup of these, if you don't mind, Matt. Yeah, a fair few players that, that people will know. Obviously, Isaac Christie Davis, we've spoken about him and how unfortunate he was when he went out on loan to, to Belgium. Circle Bruges, uh, he was only there about a day or two and then got a, a big injury. 
he's now 22, I think, maybe possibly even 23, but it's uh, sort of time for, for him to leave now, I think. And, and he has been effectively released, brought in from Chelsea a couple of years ago, but it's time for, for him to find a new club. So he is one that has gone. Uh, Jack Walls as well. He's also been released, as far as I'm aware, hasn't got a club at, at this stage, uh, but I'm sure at some point down the line, somebody will uh, take a chance on him if they haven't already. So certainly a couple of players there that will, you know, be they'll have fond memories of, of being at Liverpool. Obviously, it's a, a big club. I don't think either of them realistically had a chance of, of getting into that first team. So it was the right time for them to, to move on and, and get some more football elsewhere. Um, in other positions, um, Pedro Chiravella, of course, still technically an academy player. Uh, I suppose you could have called him a, a first team player, given he is about 23 at this stage, but he has now made a, a permanent transfer to Nantes, of course. Uh, and Adam Lewis as well followed him across to France, Amiens. Uh, he's going to be there for the season on loan. Again, obviously, just so many players ahead of him in the pecking order. Last season, we saw, obviously, Andy Robertson and James Milner would be in the first team at left-back ahead of him. Costa Shimakas, of course, coming in was almost the, the decision made for him, really. I think he's 20 now. He's at the age where he's desperate to go and play football. He's too good, really, to play in the under-23s week in, week out. So, yeah, it's a, an interesting move and obviously not the, the biggest club in, in League One over in France, but it's going to be uh, interesting to see how he gets on because... Certainly, I think he'll, at the very least, be hoping to, to play for a bigger club in terms of a, a permanent move next summer. So, yeah, certainly uh, a lot of interest in those players. Herbie Kane, I believe, still at Liverpool. Yasser Larucci as well, both training at the academy at the moment. But again, I would imagine both of those two probably will go out um, on a permanent transfer. Again, I think it's the right time for, for both of those players to move on. Yasser Larucci, we know, has sort of been interested in the likes of Leeds United and teams like that, but nobody has, has quite come in for him yet. But I'm sure both of those players, Herbie Kane and Yasser Larucci, will find, um, if not a permanent home, certainly a loan deal before the season begins. Because, as I say, both training um, with the academy, it doesn't look like they've got a first-team future. Yeah, no, Grant McCann, the, the whole City manager, remember at the end of last season, actually, Herbie Kane picked up an injury and he said he, he would be a huge miss for them, but before that was intimating, you'd be happy to take him back. Obviously, they've dropped into League One in the meantime, so you don't know if that maybe appeals to Herbie Kane or obviously the situation where the Hull City have been able to to finance anything for that. And on uh, LaRucci, I think one of the clubs linked with him has been Brentford as well, and their left-back, Rico Henry, has been linked with a move to the Premier League. So maybe if something happens there, we might see movement. But we'll have to, to wait and see how that all plays out. So those are the players then who have moved on and moved out or are waiting uh, for moves maybe out of Liverpool. But with the academy and the, the way it works, Matt, obviously every year there needs to be a fresh batch, as it were, of young players who step up from the 16s into the under-18s. And I suppose formally that's their first sort of real marker they need to hit of whether they're given scholarship terms to be there for the next two years. And obviously a number have. And crucially, there's one player who... Liverpool fans might already know about, but not for maybe his footballing abilities. Yeah, no, there's a few players who've obviously been uh, made that step up from the under-16s to be first-year scholars. Just before I list those players, I think the, the important thing is that their manager, of course, at, at under-16s level will be the same at under-18s as well. So that sort of links back to what we were saying before in terms of that progression. So, yeah, goalkeeper Harvey Davis, uh, centre-back Lee Jonas, left-back Luke Chambers, midfielder Lucas Stevenson, who I think has played a, a couple of games or certainly been on the bench for the under-18s in the past. 
And then forwards, Harvey Blair and Oakley Cannoneer as well. That is the name that a few Liverpool fans may well recognise. Oakley Cannoneer, though, famous, of course, when he was 14, just about to turn 15. He was the ball boy that gave Trent Alexander-Arnold the ball for that corner against Barcelona. So, yeah, plenty of, of Liverpool pedigree in him at the very least already. Hopefully that doesn't put too much pressure on his shoulders, but it's going to be really, really interesting to, to see what all of those players can do this season. And, you know, I'm sure in terms of the storyline, the narrative, if Oakley Cannonier scores from a corner early on, I will certainly be writing that line. But, uh, yeah, Max Voltman as well, just to, to quickly mention him. Uh, he stepped up at the back end of last season. And again, he will be a first-year scholar heading into next year. Yeah, that is a, a brilliant one on Oakley Canyon. Yeah, we'll have to, to wait and see, obviously, what happens with him. But it would be great if he does score from a, uh, a corner. More for us, I suppose, to, to talk about than uh, than anything else. And the uh, I'm sure the clip would go viral on social media immediately. Anyway, uh, once players obviously then into the 18s and they get their scholarships, they're free to, to sort of move amongst the age groups they are before that. As you said there with Max Voltman be, beforehand. But uh, Leighton Stewart is a player I know you want to talk about a bit more in our one-to-watch feature that we'll, we'll round things off on. But he is one of the players as well who is already looking to sort of kick on in the academy. Yeah, turned 18 this week, um, Fidel O'Rourke as, as well. He's not 19 until February. It's easy to forget, really, with how long he's been in and around the academy teams. The under-18s captain, uh, Fidel. Uh, so hopefully you know, he will make that step up to the under-23s. I think both of those have got a pretty good chance of, of being under-23s regulars by the end of this season. I suppose the difficulty is that they both play in that number nine position. And, and Paul Glatzel, of course, is still there as well. So plenty of competition. Um, but yes, yeah, Stuart with the under-18s for now, scored four in three uh, in pre-season. So he's doing pretty well. Tom Hill, uh, he was another one who I thought potentially could have stepped up to the under-23s. Uh, but he was a first-year scholar last year. Seems like he's going to be with the under-18s for now. Um, and Musilovsky and, and Fraundorf, as I mentioned before, they will be there as well. So yeah, plenty of, of talent. Tyler Morton's one that I've picked out as, as one of our one-to-watch uh, features in the past. He is certainly one-to-watch, hence the, the title. But yeah, he is um, certainly a, a really good technically gifted player in midfield. And he is, uh, again, he will sort of step up and almost be one of the, the, the more senior players this season, even though he's really still very, very young. So yeah, certainly plenty to, to watch out for with him. In terms of the under-23s, Abdi Sharif and Paul Glatzel have both been involved in pre-season. So, obviously, Sharif coming off the back of a, a fairly lengthy injury. He's one that you know, I've picked out plenty of times again in the past, maybe 12 months ago. He was one of the stars, really, of Liverpool's FA Youth Cup win. Um, he was one that we were still talking about at that point as you know, being able to, to take that next step. Last season would have been his first season in the under-23s. Obviously, got that big injury and, and that wasn't able to be the case um, some other names, Jake Kane, um, Leighton Clarkson, Jack Byrne, plenty of, of sort of familiar faces within that group, particularly Kane and, and Clarkson. Obviously, we saw them in the FA Cup against Shrewsbury. So, again, two really, really exciting midfielders and two midfielders that Barry Lutus will know really, really well. So, I'm sure they will be two out of his three midfielders for the majority of this season. Just quickly as well, James Norris, I think that's an interesting one. Um, I hadn't really thought of him as, as being one who could step up to the 23s, but it looks like he might have, have done that. And England under-17 international, but plays at, at left-back, so quite possibly with um, Yasser Larucci potentially moving on. 
Adam Lewis having moved out. Potentially, there's just a, an opportunity for him, just you know, in the the right position at the right time, if you like. So, be interesting to see how he gets on, and you know, of course, Billy Cometio as well alongside him in that defence potentially uh, made a, a big impact, of course, for for the first team. But it's a case now of is he ready to step up and be in the under 23s on a regular basis? Will he stay with the 18s? I'm not too sure at this moment in time, but I'm sure that decision will already have been made. So. Yeah, plenty of, of new names. Obviously, we've talked through those first-year scholars and that sort of thing. Um, and you'd imagine next season, it, it's going to be pretty rare for the likes of Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, Nico Williams, for, for them to to represent the under-23s. I don't think is, is going to happen too often. So that just frees up a little bit more space and allows that next batch, as you say, to, to come through. Yeah, very excited, I'd say, to see what uh, Jake Kane and Leighton Clarkson can do this year, as we said, with, with Barry Lutus as their coach and Maybe, who knows, without the likes of Curtis Jones and, and Harvey Elliott, if they're not playing too much 23s football, it might give those players that license to sort of aspire to be the next Nico Williams and Curtis Jones coming through the academy and have that platform to really take their game to the next level. We saw how effectively Jones did do that last season. Let's round things off then. We've already alluded to, to who it's going to be, but our, our one-to-watch feature that we like to do at the end of these, the player this season, Matt, that you think might well lay uh, claim to... Uh, Having a breakout season, we're not expecting him, of course, to, to go into Jurgen Klopp's first team, but a player who, within the academy structure, could well have a uh, a big season this year. Yeah, I've tried to, to sort of look at it across the season as a whole, and I think, you know, Leighton Stewart is one that will start, as I said, in the under-18s, but you could imagine him very easily slotting into the under-23s whenever he's needed, or, or certainly you know, on a more consistent basis in a few months' time. So, Scored 11 in 12 in the league last season, uh, but he got injured in January. The league got short, so it was only a fairly sort of short season, almost a half season. So to, to sort of score at that sort of rate was really impressive. 16 in all, um, two in three in the UEFA Youth League as well. So he's proven he can go away and, and do it against different sorts of sides. But yeah, he's such a, an interesting player. 56 times he scored the season before last for the under 16s. Clearly knows where the back of the net is and. He's got the the impressive sort of record of having scored against Everton in every single youth level that he's played in so far. So that's why you picked him, up, isn't it? That's why. <laughs> all the way up to the under 18s, he, he seems to have found the back of the net against them. And you know, fingers crossed, uh, he can do that for the under 23s at some point because Everton's under 23s do tend to be quite good. Um, so yeah, he's one of those who, who's trained with the first team on plenty of occasions. You know, Jurgen Klopp is very much aware of his abilities, his talents. 56 goals, let's say, for the under-16s, that pretty much put him on the map and, and he hasn't really looked back from then. So still a lot to do, I think, in terms of bulking up and, and the gym and that sort of thing. But you know, certainly that's something that will, I'm sure, be worked on over the course of the next few months. And I've not seen him since lockdown, but, you know, maybe that could have helped him out too in that regard. So, yeah, I'm sure he is certainly one to watch this season. And I suppose it sort of depends on Paul Blatzel if he ends up going out on loan. A big thing then would be for, for Leighton Stewart to step up to the under-23s. So he's already played once or twice for the, the under-23s, but I suppose that's his big target. Came on and, and made his debut against Chelsea against them last season. Um, if he can go and, and do that more regularly, you know, who knows that the future is certainly bright for him. 
No, it certainly is and seems to be bright for a fair few of the uh, crop of Liverpool youngsters. So we're back up and running then with the Academy show for the new season. Thanks to Matt for, for joining myself, Guy Clark, for this edition of the Academy show here on the Blood Red channel. We will be back on a regular basis from here on out now through the course of the season as the 2020-21 season does get underway. But as I say, from myself, Guy Clark and Matt Addison alongside me, thanks for your time and your company here on the Academy show on the Blood Red channel. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.